and and I've and I definitely I will not say I love my husband, but I've definitely gotten accustomed to him that our lives are still better with him in it than without. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page, Couples Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. Today on our podcast, we have Sophia Hasnan. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. We have a uh, fellow co-author of the book, Get the book out. There yes. we go. Perfect. Overcoming, <laughs> Overcoming mediocrity. mediocrity. Fearless Yay. women. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Jean love it, love it. and Sophia were co-authors in this book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely mm-hmm. check out the book. You can get it on Amazon um, and you could check out their stories. But we're going to dive deep into Sophia's story today. So before we do that, Sophia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How old are you? What do you do for a yeah. living? Awesome. Um, I'm 32 years old. I live in Aurora, Illinois. Good old burbs. Uh, <laughs> I have a two-year-old. Um, uh, I've been married to my husband for 10 years. Um, for my career, I actually, um, and if you've read the book, you know, I went into nursing and uh, was always intrigued by it. My Some of my earliest memories actually are uh, of visiting my grandmother when she had her open heart surgery. Um, and I was about three or four years old at the time. And I just love medicine, everything to do with the human body. But, you know, when I started practicing nursing, I realized how limited uh, my reach was um, and the amount of impact I could make just by being an employee in the in our um, healthcare system. And, and obviously, you know, nothing against our wonderful profession, because as you know, with COVID, you know, nurses are truly the, the true heroes, you know, running the show right now, guys. And, and I truly um, have such respect for um, a lot of my friends are nurses and for the career. It's a very noble profession. But for myself, I knew I um, that God had put me on earth to do a lot more, to do to reach, um, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of lives, and and to, that's the wonderful thing of being an entrepreneur. You know, you get to do things your way, and um, really, it, it's it's a roller coaster. But it, it it's just such an incredible journey, and the the people you meet, like I never would have met Jean, yeah, <laughs> had it not been for me taking that leap of faith and really kind of going out on my own, but. Um, but uh, I've been an entrepreneur now for um, for about f- a full time entrepreneur for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, I love it. I love um, just combining my knowledge from my training, plus you know everything that I've learned and self taught over the years, and now with my events business that I've recently started, and just reaching more women and just um, sending more just messages of hope and and um, especially now I feel like we need it more than ever. So yeah, it's just been a very uh, fulfilling just awesome ride. (laughs) 
it's really interesting. It's a similar story that we have. You know, we are raise a psychologist. I have a master's degree in clinical psychology, and we really started our business to take couples' work in a, in a very different direction. And now we're moving away from the limits of that as well and going into the coaching model because because there's so much more, you know, and, and working with people holistically on all levels, it, that promotes permanent change as opposed to, you know, some of the more clinical stuff, it only sort of puts a Band-Aid on things or um, fixes things more temporarily. So mm-hmm. we, we do the same thing where we work much more in depth. So let's start your story mm-hmm. with uh, where were you born and and tell us that mm-hmm. part of your journey. Yeah, so I was born overseas in Pakistan and uh, I have an older sister. Um, my mom actually um, raised us as a single single parent. And if you know, um, the, like kind of the history of the country itself, Pakistan is a very third world, very um, male dominant sort of society. Women are um, even now, I mean, things are definitely improving with the new generation, but women are still very much looked down to, you know, just stay home and take care of kids and and the men sort of run the show and um, and uh, poverty is, 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 is a huge problem, lack of education, um, just the rates of abuse and neglect um, for, you know, as far as children go, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a, it's a struggling society basically. And uh, my mom actually, um, Jean and I were talking uh, before we went live and, and my mom um, was a U.S. citizen. She moved to the States back in the seventies, but she made a conscious decision to, to have us, my sister and I back home because she wanted so desperately for us to understand our roots and our culture, where we come from, our language, our, our religion, you know, our people. She really wanted us to have that, sort of connection because I feel like when you're when you live in in, in a country like the states you know and, and you're you, you know you you sometimes you start to forget you know where you come from and you kind of start taking things for granted and 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 I mean I'm so blessed that um she when she decided to to move us here um back in 2001 I was in seventh grade and and because the experiences that I've learned here in the in the states have also been life-changing because I can't imagine my life um if we were still back home but so that was that was another huge sacrifice on her behalf because she had to, you know, start her life all over again in, in, in the States. Um, but, uh, but yeah, growing up, we, you know, if, if you read the, the story in the book, you, you know, we faced a lot of harassment. Um, my mom could never hold down a job because her male employers would constantly harass her and ask her to do them favors, you know, so she can keep her job and to do a lot of just, um, things that were going against her, you know, um, her beliefs and, and whatnot. But, so it was very difficult for her to support us um, because my dad was never really around. He, um, my mom and dad divorced when I was about a month old. So, um, but it was very, it was, it was struggling times. I saw poverty from a very young age, um, always living in fear, just really, you know, not knowing what's going to happen the next day. I, we never really had um, a really strong male influence in our lives. Um, no brothers, no male cousins, no, just really no answer, like uncles really even. So it was a struggle to, you know, have that kind of powerful male figure in our lives. So we had to become that as as women. So and moving to the states definitely helped um, that as well. Um, like I had a job as young as 13 years old, kind of helping my mom really support the household. And and so um, a lot of those things really shape us into our adulthood and who we are today. And I'm just so and that's really what um, the event that I host is about. You know, all of our past struggles and how that transforms us into the people we are today, no matter how difficult our past has been and traumatic and 
um, it leaves its scars, but I feel like we wouldn't be the people we are today. Um, How is divorce seen in pa- in Pakistan? What is- yeah, it's a very it's it's not a <laughs> not a good thing. Uh, my mom was always kind of the black sheep in the family, very much uh, an outcast. So it's it's not um, it's not very common to divorce, and it's it's uh, like the last case resort, like really because in, in our culture, you know, the families sort of come together and, and the marriage is not just between the two people. It's, it's a whole family affair. So, um, so anytime there's a struggle, you know, the whole tribe gets involved and, you know, everybody um, really tries to keep the couple together, but, but yeah, it's, it's really not, not a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a, yeah. So, um, so, so, you know, my sister and I definitely faced a lot of that too. A lot of family just disapproval and um you know and and for the longest time I struggled with my own identity and who I am and why mom and dad separated because um a lot of things about my past I still don't really quite understand and in our culture you know as kids you don't question your parents it's a very and even now I struggle with that because I still as an adult I have my own child now but I still have all these questions and and I want to know things and I, and I want to challenge certain beliefs that still exist, but it's just something that you just don't do <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. So, so, so that's definitely that generational gap, like that different way of thinking. What was that transition like, you know, back to the U S for you? How, how mm-hmm. was that? So I actually, we're Muslims, uh, uh, you know, our religion. And when we first moved to the States, it was April of 2001 and then nine 11 happened. And so at the time, honestly, I didn't even know what the Twin Towers were. I had no idea what terrorism or any of these things meant. So it was a very rough transition because even as um, as a seventh grader, even my teachers started to shift their behaviors towards me because I was the only Muslim girl in my school. And uh, I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't understand why. Um, why was were our people so bad and why these bad things were happening and and throughout my teenage years, I, I desperately wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like my, you know, my white friends and my, you know, um, wanted to be that pretty girl or that well-liked um, popular kid in school or, um, and so it, it, um, it translated later in my teenage years when I was about 16, between 16 and 18 to really just rebelling and um, just not being that good kid and um, causing a lot of trouble, you know, getting in with the wrong crowd really just um, kind of like that was my kind of, I guess, lashing out in a way. Uh, my older sister, she was co- quite the opposite, actually. She was, you know, my mom's right-hand man, just a you know, very, very good kid, perfect GPA, you know, all these things. And, and um, I feel like sometimes parents will subconsciously compare their um, children as well. So always I felt like I could never just be that good enough person for my mom to be proud of. So I just stopped caring completely. <laughs> and so... Um, a lot of lessons learned um, from the past, definitely. And it wasn't until, I, I will say, it, honestly, until I hit my 30s was, I feel like you kind of hit these stages where these light bulbs just kind of start going off in your head and you really start to love and accept yourself for who you are and and um, kind of start to kind of rebuild that identity. And mm-hmm. In your story, I don't know if you know this, and I know these stories get really edited because they're really short, mm-hmm. but when you talk about you know, having a piece of bread for dinner that you're sharing between your mom Mm -hmm. and your sister and your basic needs are getting met, you actually sound very happy. 
Mm-hmm. And the struggle comes after that. The struggle comes, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're dealing with food, clothing, and shelter. Mm-hmm. And so when those basic needs are met, it's very satisfying and feels really good. And then when those needs are met where we're not thinking about it anymore now the emotional stuff comes in and the identity and the growth and we've we've seen that as well you know we're hikers and when we when we are out there and we're just our basic needs are met it feels great and then you get home and you get so bogged down and um what is your experience been with that and is that accurate oh yes Mm -hmm. oh my gosh Jean, you really hit it on the nail and that's so interesting because some of my happiest memories are from when I was a child and and you're right. And you're right. And and those were some of the, the happiest times. And I guess because I didn't quite understand what was happening and I was just, just a kid and, you know, and my mom definitely tried to shelter us from a lot of uh, everything that she um, went through. A lot of these things I didn't really even find out about until later. Um, but I mean, I still have those memories, but it still wasn't as, as troubling, I guess, as, as when I entered my adulthood and um, questioning, you know, so many different aspects of myself, but but yeah, it was because it was just the three of us. It's always been my mom, my sister and I, and it's always just kind of been us three. And um, we definitely had that bond. But I think as as you get older, you get married, you know, other people start entering your lives and you almost start to feel like you kind of lose that bond that you had as kids or um, when you were younger. Uh, I definitely feel that with my sister because she um, moved away after she married and, and whatnot. But um, things change, you know, relationships change. And and it took me a while to adapt to it and be okay with it. And, <laughs> and, and, and thankfully my husband, actually, he, his family still lives back home. So it gives me a chance to go and visit every other year. Yeah. Can you tell us the story of how you met your husband? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so going back to when I was telling you guys about my teenage wild years, right. Um, I was 19 and, uh, I was actually in a very abusive relationship. And my mom, she, bless her heart, she, she was so worried, you guys. She was like, she's either end up, she's going to end up in jail or she's going to end up in some big trouble. Like, this is, this is not, you know, the, things are not right. So her, um, her and my, my dad would be kind of in an on and off communication, um, not steady, but here and there they would talk. And he actually knew my husband's family and um, my husband's father and my, my dad were friends before my husband's um, dad passed away. So he suggested to my mom, um, I know a guy, he lives in London and he's a very good kid. You know, he's very kosher. <laughs> and so he might be a good match for, for me. And my mom brings up the idea and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, I'm this naive, you know, 19 year old. I'm like, sure, let's go to London. I, I want a free trip. Like I want to go explore and you know, have fun and whatever. Um, so we go. Uh, I meet my husband and he's the total opposite of me, you guys. He's, um, it, it was, and he was so nervous, poor thing. He was sweating profusely and, and, you know, because it was my mom, my sister, you know, my dad actually ended up meeting us there as well. And it was a very interesting trip. Um, I couldn't, I, and, and I had the choice because I know some, sometimes, you know, you're not really given a choice to say no. It's a very forced upon, um, decision but um I couldn't really find a reason to say no I guess and uh but I did make a point to tell him about my history and you know everything about myself because I'm like I'm not gonna start a relationship on a lie I need to tell you who I am and what I've done <laughs> and so um and I wanted to also make sure he's not just marrying me to come to the states because that's another thing is some people just want that visa right to come to the U.S. so and so we were in London for about a week 
come back engaged to my husband and, and um, he came to the States on the fiance visa. We had 90 days to get married or he would be sent back. So it was very just hurry up, hurry up, get married. It was, it was, um, and I was in nursing school at the time, just very young and, you know, and I love my husband, but that's something that if I could go back, I would change that. But um, so, yeah, I really did not truly know my husband until he moved here and he started living with us. And again, you know, a, a son-in-law living with his mother-in-law and his wife is also a very looked down upon idealism, like kind of notion and part of the culture and people yeah. would make fun of him because my mom was kind of supporting us in the beginning. And um, so um, the family definitely did not respect him. You know, there was a lot of um, drama with people talking, gossiping. And uh, you mentioned that you grew up without really any kind of male role modeling. Mm-hmm. How, how mm-hmm. did that affect, you know, relationships, you know, mm-hmm. growing up and how you related with, with men, you know, in, right. in your future? Yeah, I think it, it honestly had a very negative um impact in our lives because um, my, my sister and I both, because basically we craved that attention so much is, is we were willing to go to any lengths to get that kind of attention from a male. Um, for example, my sister, she basically married the first guy she met out of college because that was the first love that she felt from a man. Uh, whether or not that was the right choice, I don't know. Um, but we definitely were very like, we hung on to, um, that sort of male, um, anytime we felt attention or, you know, any kind of, um, yeah. And that led to a lot of bad decisions on my part because I was in, in just a very, very bad relationships, um, through high school and college and before I met my husband. And so, um, it actually resulted in one of my ex-boyfriends going to jail because he would, he started to get, he started to harass and really, um, I had to get a restraining order. Like I got, got to that point that it was just very, very toxic. So I feel like had I had that, I would have, I would have had better judgment perhaps, or, um, you know, been careful or seen the red flags or whatnot. But um, I do feel every child needs the love of a mother and a father, both, um, you know, obviously you can try your best to fill the void, but you know, that's something me and my mom argue about all the time. It's like, you did your best, but I still needed that, that male sort of um, influence, the positive influence, but yeah, it definitely had its um, had its impact, and that dis- those decisions that I made, it, it basically changed the trajectory of my life because I got married very young. So yeah. having an arranged marriage really was was not kind of customary for your family. It really was kind of a way to set you on the right path, maybe. You know, it. Uh, my mom always kind of had this desire to to have a part to play in both of my sister and my marriages. So it's like when, when I look at my cousins and the rest of my family, um, whether it be semi-love marriage, semi-arranged, the, the families definitely had a part to play in, in everybody's marriages throughout my whole family. So it was always sort of an expectation that they would have a say or they would approve of our husbands or whatnot. Um, but my sister actually, she um, basically, and she was the older one. She was the one that was the golden child and everybody expected her to do an arranged marriage, but she fell in love with her husband, now husband in college and uh, nobody approved of him. Um, none. And she basically be- is now kind of an outcast in our family because she went against everybody's will and, and decided to marry him anyway. It, that, that's interesting that you were the more rebellious one mm-hmm. and yet she ultimately fully rebelled. You exactly. Know, when we look at the influence of a father on a, on a child, 
Mm -hmm. Um, When those needs aren't met, and it typically is through our sexuality that we start to get that type of attention at a very young age when we don't know what to do with it and we don't have Mm -hmm. male guidance. And, you know, for male children as well that don't have a strong influence from their dads, they get, you know, they're more likely to be in prison, they're more likely to do drugs, drop out of school, all those kind of things. And I think the older generation, you know, they didn't do such a good job at fathering or being involved in their children's lives. And so your story is a really natural pathway that happens to a Mm -hmm. lot of girls that don't have that male influence. Absolutely. So when I decided to do the arranged, it was like a shock, like, oh my God. (laughs) So it, it was literally... And you're absolutely right. And my sister, she held that against my mother for years that my whole life, I did what you wanted my whole life. And this is what I want now. And my mom couldn't, she couldn't say anything. I mean, it was very, it was very almost sort of like a blackmail. Like it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom would cry to me all the time. Yeah. So the laws of attraction, when you were, when you were on your own to date, you were attracting Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. the wounded stuff. And then you had Mm -hmm. someone else say, Hey, let me make that decision for you. I think I could do a better job than you, which is, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then mm-hmm. you, I think there's a, a belief in an arranged marriage that says we're going to make this work. And it's not based on love. It's more based on uh, that, that loyalty and commitment. And so I mm-hmm. think the pathway right. of people merging is very similar in the troubles we go through, but that cultural belief that, like you said, keeps you together and, and being mm-hmm. married, it's tough. It's really tough. And you have to grow through that. What would you say to someone who mm-hmm. was maybe struggling in, in a relationship and, and why you stuck it out? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, people always ask me, Jean, because I honestly, the reason I stay in my marriage is for my daughter, um, because I'm just so afraid of her going through that same path that my sister and I did without our, our dad. And I mean, you can co-parent and all that stuff, but but it's still not the same. And my husband even has told me that he would move back home. I don't know if this is the right thought or not, but I don't want history repeating itself. I don't want to the, the family to say like mother, like daughter. I almost don't want to give them that satisfaction of saying that. And um, and and I've and I definitely I will not say I love my husband, but I've definitely gotten accustomed to him that our lives are still better with him in it than without. So um, for someone struggling, um, you know, I would really ask you to just do a lot of inner work because at the end of the day, we are responsible for ourselves, you know, um, no matter how long we've been with our significant others, but do a lot of inner work and a lot of just, you know, soul searching almost and just figuring out, you know, what is, what is it, what is at the core, I guess, of the problem. And, and uh, because I realized with my relationship with my husband, it's, I feel like when I'm not at my best mental, emotional state, I, I'm not the best at our relationship either. So taking that accountability, I think, is so important. And I really brought it up to him as well, because he's someone that does not believe in <laughs> any of this, you know, um, speaking with a professional or just doing that work himself. But at the end of the day, it's it's you have to think about what what really matters to you. And if you think you would be happier alone than with that person or it's, it's difficult. And, and obviously you guys are the experts at this, but yeah, for me, I, I knew that regardless of the, the troubles, I just did not want my daughter to one day ask me, like, could you have done this to make it work? Or could you have tried something else? Like that regret 
just I feel like I'm more afraid of the regret of um, what could happen in the future than just a petty fight, you know, that we could easily work through or work with, you know, a couple like you guys or. I'm in the middle of writing a piece for Lifehack. And one of the things I'm I'm talking about in, in this piece is the challenges that our generations are facing now are challenges that past generations have not had to deal with. And so couples are faced with evolving to another level that has is is unprecedented you know and so we can't go to the older generations to get advice from them because it's actually the older generations that are divorcing right and so they don't know how to have successful relationships and so couples are really kind of on their own trying to figure things out right mm -hmm. and Absolutely. that that resources and seeking out those resources is really important but making sure that you are seeking out the correct resources people who are going to be able to you know talk about these these new challenges that we're all facing and and help you navigate that mm -hmm. absolutely and you know i i think gratitude has really also helped my marriage as well as is just being grateful for everything that I have, despite its flaws and whatnot, um, you know, because when you look around and you look at other couples or their problems, you know, you almost sort of compare and you, you're just grateful because, you know, as, as, as messed up as our relationship can be at times, there has never been infidelity or there's never been any kind of trust issues or anything like that. I mean, have you but, heard of um, the concept of synthetic happiness? I haven't heard of that concept. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. So it's really interesting and it has to do with like, um, what you're talking about when you have something and if you have the belief that this is, this is something I'm going to own, you're going to be more satisfied with it mm -hmm. as opposed to going, well, what about that guy over there or that guy over there? That makes us unhappy to have all that choice. You know, mm -hmm. and when we go, this is, this is what my thing is. The experiment they did was they had people take an art class and, and paint seven paintings. And then they said, okay, you pick two of the paintings and then out of those two, you can keep one. And half of the group had to choose that painting right there and then and couldn't change their mind. And the other half could change their mind within four days. And the people that had to choose, they were happy with their selection months later. They're like, yep, I got the one I wanted. It was great. I'm fine. And the ones that could change their mind for four days, they were like, I don't know. I don't know if I did so mm -hmm. well. And I think that is part of why arranged marriages... Um, are more successful. Actually, they're much more successful than, than love marriages because we didn't, there wasn't so much option. It was like, okay, this is it. And we're going to make this work. And mm -hmm. this idea of the lifestyle, right. And we've seen plenty of couples stay together because they love their friends. They love how they interact as a couple in the world, even though they're not such a great couple. And there's a lot to be mm -hmm. said for that, for that security and stuff that mm -hmm. you get from being in a relationship. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of times people will almost sort of put you down and, and say like, well, if you don't love him and why, why are you staying, you know, then they bring it all down to that one piece. Like, well, but you, but you don't love him. Like you're not in love with him. Like that's, that's such a disservice to yourself. Or what if you could find someone else? Or so I'm so glad you said that Jean, because I, I, I hate that <laughs> yeah. when someone brings up those sort of preconceived you could be you could be doing so much better with someone else or and you know and I and I learned from my mother because she after her divorce she did remarry and it was the same thing 
they both were deadbeat husbands, deadbeat fathers, just never involved in our lives. And, and, um, and, but, and again, like I said, I, there's still, I don't really know about, but there, there is some rumors of some infidelity and some, you know, things like that of that nature. So, so I, again, like that regret and that, that fear of regretting my choices um, is something that still keeps me in. And because I don't want to be that person that would end up in a worse situation or, you know, make my daughter's life more difficult or. One one of the things that, um, and I'm going to totally get this wrong. It's (laughs) you have a program called women, women disrupted. And Mm -hmm. it says something like your mess is your message your mess mm-hmm. is your message can you mm-hmm. talk about the concept of woman disrupted yeah. and what your what your message is mm-hmm. and you know and and I kind of got the idea from the book actually um and just hearing other women's stories and it's just so it's empowering it's inspiring it's it's humbling it's um so I wanted to just have a platform that embodies all of these challenges that different women face you know from their past and who they become um, as a result of, whether it be abuse or someone like me who was diagnosed with a chronic illness and, and everything else from my past and, and everything that we endure in life and who it shapes us into, you know, who do we become? Because we, we have a choice, either we can play victim or we can choose to um, overcome it and, and then help others. So, um, so that's kind of where the idea of Woman Disrupted came from and, and um, to just have a home for all these women that have a story to tell that that are now doing incredible things in our communities because of, you know, no matter how difficult their past has been. Um, and so, um, so I, I, I love this platform. I'm so proud of it. I actually just, this is something brand new um, that we were working on earlier this year. So this is one of my 2020 blessings is to have this platform now and to, um, so those, your message, your message is our theme for our January event. Um, where our speakers are talking about, you know, different topics as it pertains to women, not just corporate women, but also business women, stay-at-home moms. It's something that everybody can kind of relate to, no matter, you know, where you're at in your um, career level or or whatnot in your personal lives. And so uh, our keynote speaker actually at our January event is, um, she was abducted. Um, Basically, everything you see on uh, criminal minds or, you know, law and order, she was abducted um, walking to her car and um, everything that she endured as a result of it's, it's a miracle that she's even alive, but everything that she has done as a result of that um, very, very traumatic um, incident and thousands of lives that she's now impacting because of her non-for-profit that she started. So, um, so just stories like that and just, you know, giving women hope that it's okay. You know, it, whatever you're going through, is actually a blessing. Do you go think ahead, it's also inspiring for men? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and I do encourage men to come out as well and share because I feel there's not enough men out there that are willing to, you know, to share their stories or um, because it's not just women issues. It's also a lot of men endure a lot of different um, trauma and difficult pasts as well. And I feel like sometimes it's harder for men because they're expected to you know, be the man and man up or, um, I feel like a, a lot of our men also struggle. Unfortunately, <laughs> men are kind of indoctrinated to keep everything bottled up inside. Right. And there are, there are specific cultures that are taught never to show any pain. For example, in Ukraine, men are not supposed to show any physical pain whatsoever. And so this is a, as a cultural thing, it's a societal thing. 
You know, one of the things I talk about with men is that, you know, in Hollywood, you know, the men who are actually vulnerable and show vulnerable emotions are the comedic characters in the movie. And the the men who are actually the heroes, they only show a few select emotions like anger or vengeance, you know. And so that is a pattern that continues today. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're right. You know, there are men out there, a lot of them that are struggling. I get to hear those stories behind closed doors, you know, but they're just not taught, you know, they're not taken across that bridge, you know, into manhood where they can see that their emotional, you know, bodies within are actually a source of strength for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would, I would even say that your journey, you know, you grew up in a very white, neighborhood white school you were the only brown kid in your school right and you had a lot of bullying and you know mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably what helped you become the sensitive person that does this kind of work and can help men through that absolutely I mean first generation American myself half Persian half Filipino did not know what culture I really was right was I American was I Filipino was I Persian and just did not fit in any of that. And so kind of had to find my own way, right? And also understand those vulnerable emotions that I was experiencing, you know, and there was no outlet for that, right? There was mm-hmm. no one to really resonate with. And so, you know, that that I totally get exactly what you're talking about here. And, you know, I really encourage men out there to, mm-hmm. you know, join programs like what you're talking about. Yeah, and what you're planning mm-hmm. on doing, because it's really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would love to have you at the event, Dr. Ray, and even speak at future events, because this is something that I'm going to keep continuing um, quarterly or, you know, having having multiple events during the year. And you're right. Once you hear that perspective from someone else and you can relate to it, I think it really builds that confidence in the community. Like, yeah, we need to talk about this more and it's okay to talk about it. You're not going to, you're in a safe space. You're not going to be, you know, made fun of or, or talked about because of, um, because of your experiences. So yeah, that's really my goal is and partnering with people like you guys that understand that message, so we can, you know, do this outreach in communities and and make it okay for people to share and 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 not just share but also get those action steps to get to that next level because it's it's okay to talk about something but then what do you do about it? You know, how are you gonna how are you going to heal? How are you going to grow? How are you going to help others? So that to me is the next piece is um, having the right people at these events that can then hold your hand and walk you through that bridge like we talked about. Because um, that's so huge. You can't just stay in that space. This is exactly why we do the podcast because, you know, and when, when Ray was talking about the media, you know, everyone mm-hmm. thinks everyone's got it down and the movies that we see, they're fake. That's not really how people live or feel or, you know, that's, and a lot of people are raised on TV. That, that's what their view is of the world and it just isn't true. And so to share mm-hmm. at this level is so healing. And I, you know, just want to say this, nobody's got it down and everyone's got a story and everyone's been hurt. And that is the human experience. And you're absolutely right. If that is, if, if your story stops there, then you're not really becoming what you came to become. Mm -hmm. And so for for the last question, what would be some advice you would give someone who's really stuck in their mess right now? 
And mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you did to advance yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh man. So number one step is guys come to the event, <laughs> get your tickets and you get to see Dr. Ray and Jean at the event too. Um, but you know, changing your circle of influence is so huge too, because if you are constantly with those people that are just downers or that feed into that misery or, or even those people that are always poor, you poor, you, that's not the right circle to be in. You need to be in a circle of people that are overcomers that do have their own story as well. And who inspire you and, you know, build you up to that next level, because that was the first thing I had to do was, you know, move away from a lot of those college friends or those friends that I, you know, knew from a long time, but, but they were on a different level than where I was trying to go. So that is so huge. And I always speak on this, like change your circle, you know, who who are you, who are your friends? Who do you listen to on a constant basis? And I, and I actually, it's, it's hard for me personally, because my husband is that his nature is naturally very negative. (laughs) He naturally does tend to look at things from a, like the worst kind of state of point of view. So, so I consciously have to make that effort every single day to feed myself with positive reinforcement and, and listen to people um, that resonate with me and and my mindset and whatnot. So it's a constant, it's, it's almost like taking a shower every day. Like you, you have to give your mind that cleanse as well. And to to really be conscious of who you're listening to. I've, I've turned off the news I've turned off, you know, all of my um, radio, everything I used to listen to, because I, I, I realized for myself that staying in that victim mentality was not serving anybody or anything. Like I mentioned earlier, my, my relationship was struggling. I was a horrible parent. I was physically getting more ill also because of my mindset and my mental state. So it, it's, a, it's a conscious decision and it's, and it's up to that person to move away from that, but but, and I know you guys know this, I promise, you know, life is so much better on the other side of, of that suffering and that, and that victim mentality and, and where um, you think God is punishing you because that's something culturally in our culture. If, if something bad happens to you, it's God punishing you or you're paying, you're paying for some sin that you did. And that is so, so false, you guys, that is so not, not true. And uh, look at every challenge as a blessing, you know, look at it from, and even like, like COVID times, small businesses that are failing or people that are losing their job. This is the opportunity for you to, to start fresh and start over and really f- learn from your mistakes. Like, what did I do wrong that my business or whatever I was doing was, was not pandemic proof? Like, how can I elevate to that next level? How can I make myself more bulletproof, you know, moving forward or have financial decisions? Like I have learned a lot from those. And and so always looking to that next step, like how, how will this benefit me in the long run? Like, what is the lesson here? What is the silver lining? Always kind of not staying in this present space, but always just thinking ahead. And, and um, how is this challenge really a blessing? So I yeah. totally agree with that, that you need to, you need to be putting different information into your head. And one of the programs that we run, it's a free program every Tuesday night through our program called Connections, which you can find through our website. We just give a different message every Tuesday to, you know, life's tough. We're in this as a community. We have a Facebook online community, um, couple synergy community Mm -hmm. where we do that and give those kind of messages. So where could people find tickets for your event? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So womandisrupted.com is the website. Woman just, yeah. Woman with an A 
womandisrupted.com. Everything is laid out right there. It has the event description, you know, what ticket you should buy, all that stuff. All the information is there. You can also just message me on Facebook, guys, if you have a question about the event or just in general, if the event doesn't happen. And be sure to let Sophia know that you heard about this event on Couples Synergy. Yes. Yes, please do. Please connect with us. Um, and because I, I love to personally like talk to every guest that comes to my events. And so I would love to connect with you guys and, and you get to see these, these two wonderful people at the event. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm just, I miss live events. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> I know we have our weekend intensive that's scheduled in April. We had to, you know, kind of reschedule that because of COVID. So, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. keeping our fingers crossed that uh, everything's right. going to be good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, we'll pray on it. Good yes. vibes. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that good. Like, nope, it's going to happen. Like universe will, will decide, but yeah, it's positive. Well, Sophia, <laughs> we want to thank you so much for being on couple synergy today. This has been wonderful. Thank you both so much. Thank you, know, you Jean for reaching out. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we got to get together. You mm-hmm. know, people have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to grow and heal and bond And we hope that by you sharing your story, it's enriched your life and the lives of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you to you both. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions or would like to be considered as a guest on Couple Synergy, you can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as the Couples Weekend Intensive, connections as well and our premier program called couple to couple look us up online at couplesynergy.com and if you know someone who could benefit from this episode please download it and share it and thank you for listening until next time synergize your life and synergize your love You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.